Welcome, everyone, and I'm delighted to introduce you to John Neubauer, who is certainly no stranger to people who've been around the Des Moines metro area for a number of years. But let's let's revisit that first before we jump into the main crux of what we're going to talk about today, because there'll be a period of time where folks will be signing on. So, John, when did you leave Des Moines? I know you you attended Drake University. You were involved in a number of businesses. I want to talk about that. But uh, tell me, tell me about your period, your period in Des Moines. I came to Drake in 1966. Um, I was there until I think 1973, when just I was uh, counseled by uh, then Mayor Tom Urban that uh, you know why don't you take a few years away from Des Moines and then come back. Uh, and I did that. Went to Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, came back in 1978 and then was there until uh, 1996. Curious, why would Tom Urban have recommended that, do you think? Well, you know, early in my career, uh, I was considered, surprisingly, a bit of a rebel, a rabble rouser. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, so I, I uh, crossed swords and, you know, was not afraid uh, to back down. And on the other hand, uh, uh, Mayor Urban felt, I'd done a lot of good things. Uh, there was a lot of good about me. And he just said, you know, if you go away for five years and come back, people are going to likely remember the good and they won't necessarily remember the rabble rousing. So I took his counsel. That's great. Well, and, it, my, and it was wise counsel. I'm glad I did. My impression was with of you was not necessarily a rabble rouser, but you seem to always be just about... 10 steps ahead of the rest of the world. Is that, well, a, fair, is I, I that a fair characterization? I think it is because it's, uh, you know, I've had both successes and failures as a result of that. Uh, and as we get into some of the details, I'll describe how sometimes it's good to be ahead of your time and other times it's not so good to be ahead of your time. Tell me about blueberry plastics. What happened to that? That you, that was seemed like such a great idea that you were on the forefront of recycling when recycling wasn't necessarily as popular as it is today, hopefully. Well, yeah, and if I can step back from that just to give a bit more history, uh, I remember sitting down with uh, uh, then Mayor Pete Crevero in 1979 saying, Mayor We've got a lot of ideas environmentally, but is there anything that you'd like me to work on? And he said, yes, I would like you to develop a privately financed, privately operated alternative to the landfill. And I thought, OK, uh, so I looked into that, found European technology that would accomplish that. I arranged for uh, uh, markets for the electricity and the steam that would be generated by taking all of the garbage and, and incinerating it in a mass burn uh, plant. Uh, I found uh, Japanese uh, investors to fund the equity part, uh, an operating company to operate it with uh, background. And then finally, uh, on Christmas Eve, I think of 1975, uh, 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 Governor Branstad approved a $75 million non-transferable bond allocation after we had passed uh, two different rounds of enabling legislation at the legislature. So all of those things came into place. And finally, in uh, either 1986 or 1987, it came time to uh, 
have the Metropolitan Waste Agency represented by the uh, uh, by the suburbs in the city to vote. Uh, and my arrangement with Mayor Cravero was, uh, John, if you put this all together, I'll do my best to make sure that the whole metropolitan area supports this so you can go forward. Well, so I went back to Mayor Carrara and said, uh, it's all ready to go forward. And that's right about the time that he got his cancer and was really gone a short time later. And without his being present, that's, that caused the vote to fail uh, uh, on a very close vote. Um, so then we decided, well, what can we do to help? And that led us to uh, actually find export markets for recycled cardboard, recycled papers uh, to Japan and Korea. Uh, we did a number of transactions that were successful in that regard with some of the Japanese trading companies that had been willing to fund uh, the, uh, uh, the mass uh, burn incineration plant. Uh, and as we, as we did that, uh, uh, I began to think you know, because recycled cardboard and paper is like a commodity, like corn and soybeans. And why are we taking this precious commodity and shipping it all the way over there to Korea and Japan so that they can do the value-added processing to bring it back to us uh, as finished goods and products? And so that led us to look at what value-added processing can we do to recyclables here in the United States. Uh, we sat down with Weyerhaeuser and... Uh, uh, in uh, Canada and explored a uh, uh, paper mill reprocessing plant and found that it was hundreds of millions of dollars to get that started. So instead we looked at uh, uh, plastics, recycled plastics, and found that we could start that with uh, uh, five to $10 million instead of hundreds of millions. So that's what led us to form uh, blueberry plastic as a way of taking recycled milk jugs, uh, targets, recycled shopping carts, uh, a number of things like that. Uh, the city passed their enabling legislation uh, or ordinance that made it possible for the, uh, uh, the recycling program to kick in. So it was a really good partnership. Uh, and no sooner did we start to sell or at least process successfully, which many people said you'd never do. They said you'd never take these milk jugs and put them back into the raw material resin to be able to sell to molders. Well, we had a, an arrangement with Rubbermaid and Rubbermaid was supposed to take all of our product. And at the last minute they said, no, we've changed our mind. So we had to go out and find plastic molders that would uh, test our product. We found molders that said, yes, this is a good product. It's a reasonable substitute. Well, then the Virgin Resin companies pushed the price down, which made it not economically feasible for us to sell our resin to molders. And we thought, okay, what's the next step? The next step is to develop our own products made out of 100% post-consumer recycled plastics. So we did, partnered with molders, uh, generated lawn and garden and pet products, uh, took those uh, to Walmart and Kmart, got purchase orders from them and uh, a successful trial sell. And then all of a sudden we couldn't find the funding to take it to the next level because the institutional funders and the, uh, uh, and the uh, venture funds just said, you're ahead of your time. We don't believe there's a market for this. We don't believe that you can make this work. And really the greatest disappointment in having to uh, 
really take it into Chapter 11 bankruptcy and sell it to the Koreans who took it to North Carolina was that we would have, Julie, probably three or four groups, tours of children come for a tour once a week to that plastic plant so they could see what happened to their recycled milk jugs and what we were doing. And so to disappoint them, that hurt a lot. Well, John, the, the reason I asked about your background this way, because I think Pete Cravero saw something in you. I think others saw something in you, and it kind of ties in to what you're doing today, So I think. So and many of the people on the call, most of the people on the call are here to hear what you have to say about what you discovered regarding Tai Chi and yoga. So let's, I think we have a quorum now. Let's dive into that topic. Thank you, though, for that background. No, thank you. And, you know, just kind of the only other thing I'd mentioned that I, you know, kind of a what I consider a real success in my time in Des Moines was my time with uh, the Drake Neighborhood Association, being a co-founder and the president of that for years and helping to um, at least stabilize and revitalize at the time that uh, particular neighborhood. Well, I mentioned that I left Des Moines in 1973 for five years, and that took me to Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, and in that time, <clears throat> I started to really be troubled by leg cramps from my days playing college basketball at Drake. Not that I was good, uh, but I got to play. So that was a blessing. Uh, and I asked some friends, what could I do to help those leg cramps because they were interfering with my ability to sleep? They said, well, why don't you try yoga? Well, as you might appreciate back in those days, Yoga was something that women did, not men. And so I thought, am I really going to do this? And I thought the leg cramps are more important than my uh, man. Well, yeah, my pride. Uh, so I went ahead and, and took a yoga class in 73. And it was amazing because within a matter of weeks, my leg cramps were gone and then never come back again. And then more significantly, I took a look at the yoga instructor. And she looked to be in her later 40s. And after the first class, I said, how old are you? She said, I'm, I'm 49. She said, no, I'm sorry. She looked to be in her late 20s. And I said, how old are you? And she said, I'm 49. And, you know, men are just as vain as women about their appearance. They're just not willing to be honest enough to admit it. But for me, I said, hey, I want that. And so I have practiced yoga nearly every day for 50 years, uh, twice a day. Uh, a couple of years later, I found that <clears throat> the, the tension wouldn't go way up here in the shoulders and the neck. And someone said, why don't you try Tai Chi? So I took some Tai Chi lessons and would do yoga and then Tai Chi. And then I took a year off and hitchhiked in Europe. And while I was in Europe, I kind of had the inspiration that why don't I combine these two into a single discipline? And I found that as I did that, <clears throat> the benefits that I personally derived from that were greater than practicing either alone. So in my time in Europe, uh, I taught students in France and, and uh, uh, uh Denmark and Germany, a, a ballet company that contracted me to teach their ballet company for eight weeks and 
the owner of the company was so pleased and excited with how that improved the, the performance of his dancers that he offered me a contract to stay there for two years. And in return for paying me and teaching me, he would teach me how to be a ballet dancer. Now, that, that was a, a, a real honor. But on the other hand, men in ballet are ending their careers in their late 20s. They're not starting them. And so I, I turned down that gracious offer, came back to the United States. And then for, for my remaining time uh, until last year, I spent all of it helping either build other people's businesses or their business ideas. I mean, I would never claim that anything I did in Des Moines was a result of my own idea. Um, but so let, me, let me interject here a little bit because uh, some of the people on the call have a lot uh, more information about Tai Chi and yoga than do I. And I usually open this up to people who are on the call to ask questions too. So just so you know, I'm hoping that we'll hear from them and uh, just feel free to raise your hand if you have a question. Uh, you will be muted. You are currently muted, so you'll need to unmute before your question can be heard. So Maria, do you have a question at this point? Tell Tell uh, John a little bit about you and what you're learning. Hi, I'm Maria. I'm a yoga teacher. Um, I've been practicing yoga. Um, I started practicing yoga uh, during my internship after medical school. And that was using VHS tapes, you know. And I've been practicing ever since then. And I'm a 500-hour um, trained yoga instructor and I specialize in trauma-sensitive yoga, and I go overseas to Gaza, and I do trauma-sensitive yoga um, whenever I can get get there. So, oh, nice. uh, but I I teach here in Des Moines, yeah, um, at Power Life Yoga. So, and yoga and meditation, and I I love it. How um, <clears throat> how would you? say yoga has helped you i mean it's more when we talk about yoga you know it's an eight limb path and the postures the physical postures are just one of eight limbs you know there's other limbs and it's it's everything you know this spiritual emotional mental thing because yoga literally means union or to yoke um how has it helped you in other areas besides just the physical that's a that's a great question. And I really applaud your help and other people. That's part of what's led me to continue to want to teach and, and bring what this inspired gift of Tai Chi Yoga was to me. Um, you know, first of all, let me describe the union that I created, which is Tai Chi and yoga. So Chinese is uh, Tai Chi, as you may know, is the, the most passive of the martial arts and yoga is something that helps the body unwind. It not only helps the body unwind, but it helps the mind unwind. It's, it's increased my ability to concentrate. It's increased my ability to uh, memorize and retain things that are of memory. And then from my own spirit, it's just helped me be more internally aware of that spirit that's within me and then the higher power to which I connect to, uh, which is, you know, maybe the same or different than, than all of us. Uh, but Tai Chi is about flow. And one of the things that, that I didn't, didn't necessarily excite me about yoga 
was that it tended to be postures or separate individualized things. Whereas when I started to do Tai Chi, it was flow. And it was not only flow within an individual set, it was flow uh, from one movement or position to another. And it was movement, one-legged balancing. And I was a very clumsy basketball player. Uh, I was a very clumsy dancer. People didn't like to dance with me. And so the ability to learn how to dance uh, and to balance with Tai Chi and yoga was really a blessing in my life. Uh, so in terms of the overall benefits, you know, yes, I found great benefit from the stretching. Uh, I found great benefit from the flow of Tai Chi. Uh, but when I combined the two together, it allowed me to flow smoothly from the standing yoga positions to the Tai Chi movements and the sets to the relaxation, to the settling movements and the inverted postures in the floor. And then when I finished my final relaxation, whether it was on the floor or in a kneeling meditative pose, just seemed to be much more effective and all-inclusive than either of the two of them by themselves. I agreed. Well, chi means energy. You know, and, and when we talk about Tai Chi or Qigong or yoga, it's all about energy, the chi. Yes, it is. It is energy within the body and our ability to connect with things that uh, the energy around us outside the body. So various. Everything is everything is energy. Yeah. Absolutely. So John and, and Maria, feel free to jump in on this, too. The idea that this kind of movement can be effective in in working with people who have Parkinson's disease is something, John, you're on a mission to uh, to kind of change the world regarding movement and these kinds of uh, diseases. Would you like to speak to that? Well, yeah, not just Parkinson's, but trauma in general. So I think Marie and I have a lot of things in common in terms of how we're looking to use the gifts that we both have to help other people in, in their more troubled circumstances. In my case, last year, I decided to retire, not retire, but instead of focusing on helping other people build their businesses, I needed to do something to take this gift that had been given to me and put it in front of as many people as possible. And about the same time, I was invited to be one of 16 national contestants on the national TV reality show called America's Real Deal. Uh, it was a real honor. And I thought, wow, that's going to allow me to put Tai Chi Yoga in front of millions. Um, and so I did. And Marie Osmond was the, the, uh, the host. So we filmed it uh, in front of billionaire judges. Uh, all of that was done. And then before the show aired in December, we were all called out to Los Angeles for the red carpet interviews. And just as I, just as I was about to have my interview, the Parkinson's tremors came on and I'd never had Parkinson's. There's no Parkinson's in my family. So I was wholly unprepared for it. And on the way back to Salt Lake City the next day, I thought I can in good conscience. My ethics do not allow me to ask people to vote for me as the best up and coming business. If in fact, I don't even know if I can get a uh, deal with Parkinson's. Um, so over the next three months, I found a doctor who was not your formula doctor. And, and what I mean by formula doctor is a formula doctor is someone that you go in and you say, I've got this particular issue. And he or she says, 
then I'm going to prescribe this medication. Uh, so I didn't want to go to somebody and say, I've got Parkinson's and they say, okay, here's the medication that we're going to put you on. I found a doctor that was wanting to say, let's take your blood and let's look at what's lacking. What does your blood tell us? And as a result of that, he prescribed some uh, both uh, uh, pharmaceuticals and supplements that in, and then encouraged me. He said, the reason that your Parkinson's has not come on sooner is because you've been doing Tai Chi yoga all of these years. Uh, it should have come on years ago. Uh, and then as a result of what he prescribed and my intensive, intensified Tai Chi yoga routine, within three months, my Parkinson's was under control. And I thought, that's what led me back to, well, what can I do then to try to put this gift in front of other people? And that's what led me to uh, publish the book on Amazon. John, are you on other medications as well? No, that's 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 the only medication I've got. Is uh, there's two medications that he uh, I get a shot in my stomach every week and a uh, a, a pill that I take uh, uh, every day and and two supplements uh, that are what's lacking. And as a result of that, uh, I'm stable. So I, I'm grateful for that. I'm not going to say I'm cured because, as you well know, Parkinson's is not a curable disease, uh, but it is under control. And that's a blessing in my life. How widely accepted is this in the uh, Western medical community, do you think? Well, among the Parkinson's world, uh, a lot of the Parkinson's research that's been done by the, the Michael Fox Foundation and some of the state foundations have found that exercise is really important. In fact, uh, uh, an interview that I had with uh, uh, the uh, ABC station in Portland, Oregon recently was a news interview just about uh, uh, how exercise and Parkinson's relate. The problem with that is that most people who have Parkinson's, and I experienced this in my early months, we have a decreased lack of energy. We have pains in our body that we haven't had before. Uh, we don't sleep as well. We can't focus as well anymore. And our balance is, is uh, out of whack. And so for people who are suffering in that way, and of course, you know, just last week, uh, two weeks ago, we had the uh, uh, Congressman Jennifer Wexton, uh, uh, Democratic Congresswoman from uh, Virginia, who can't, who announced she couldn't run for reelection because of the onset of aggressive Parkinson's. So it affects all aspects of our lives. And to be able to have something that, that diminishes the harmful effects, prolongs our life and gives us the ability to, so my energy is back, I don't need more than eight hours of sleep at night. Uh, I'm back to being able to have full concentration and uh, uh, my balance is returned, my flexibility is returned. Uh, all of those things are there. And whether Western medicine accepts or not that Tai Chi Yoga is a, is a key, one of the things that I'm sure Maria will agree with is that when we do yoga or Tai Chi Yoga, we, unlike regular exercise, we feel better while we're doing it, as well as feeling better after we do it. And for people who are struggling with, with trauma, uh, trauma instances, uh, whether they're in wheelchairs, they're recovering from the kinds of things that Maria is working with, whether they're dealing with Parkinson's, 
Um, yoga is a gentler way to help encourage and get Tai Chi yoga to get people to be able to give attention to exercise for their Parkinson's and their other traumatic issues. Uh, tai Chi is the most widely practiced exercise in the world because of how many older people in China uh, literally do it every single day, sometimes by themselves, sometimes in the park with others. All right, let's open it up to some more questions. And by the way, Maria, feel free to uh, chime I in. Just, yeah, I just want to add that um, Western science is starting to catch up to these Eastern philosophies. Um, and the fact that there's this thing called polyvagal theory, uh, where the vagus nerve runs, it's a cranial nerve, cranial nerve 10, and it runs throughout your whole body. And it's your autonomic nervous system. It controls your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems, which parasympathetic is rest and digest, sympathetic is fight or flight. And through movement, through breath work, pranayama, we call it, um, we can physically turn off or on one of those systems and change what our body is bathed in and the hormones and stuff. So we can make our, we can rub ourselves up and give ourselves energy and stress ourselves out. We can also learn how to turn that off through yoga and Tai Chi and Qigong and different practices like that. And meditation too. I think meditation is a huge part of Tai Chi, like it is with yoga. And the whole premise of, I think these um, Eastern philosophies is that it brings self-awareness not only to our physical bodies, but our mental states, our emotional states, and then awareness of everything around us so that we can take right action in the world and put our best foot forward. Am I wrong? But there's, a, oh, there's also a great book called The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. He is an Austrian, I believe, psychiatrist, and he's brilliant. Everybody needs to read that book, The Body Keeps the Score. And he lays out the how not, you know, trauma lives in our bodies physically long after um, we experience whatever trauma it is um, and how we can get rid of it through things like Tai Chi, yoga, meditation, um, things that aren't like drugs first and, um, you know, stuff like that. So there's a whole huge research on how yoga, I've had this one yoga student who's awesome. He sends me the latest articles, autonomic nervous system and yoga and how it's measured and stuff. So there's stuff out there a little bit more and more. So keep looking. Well, John sounds like you have at least one kindred spirit, uh, here in Des Moines. Uh, we do Perfect. have a question. Berta, go ahead. You are uh, muted, so you're going to need to unmute, but then love to hear what you have to say. I kind of wanted to say uh, thanks, John, for sharing this, because uh, as a chiropractor, I had some Parkinson's patients, and um, I found, yes, they needed to move a lot, uh, through things that I don't have time to explain. I'm not a chiropractor legally anymore. Um, but I have a friend who teaches Tai Chi and I was doing a lot of energy work, including uh, breaking on the meridians. And so I found when I was doing 
a, a Tai Chi move. It's like, oh, by the way, this meridian needs to be worked. <laughs> and it's like, oh, oh, we're here too. So I put those together. And so anybody who wants to put these things together, it's great. Um, How does thanks, one start? I, can I just say one thing too about the meridians? I'm a physician by training, but not practicing. Um, the meridians in the East ancient, you know, the Eastern philosophy, which is thousands of years old, way older than medicine, Western stuff. Um, that is based on these, you know, it depends on who you're talking to, how many meridians, and they correspond to different organs in the body and stuff. And if there's a, a blockage of energy in these meridians, um, that's where dis dis-ease comes in. Um, and this old fashioned, really old way of think, looking at the body as energy lines completely mirrors what we see embryologically in the very premature nervous system of humans. It's so cool. They were so on to something. John? No, I, I think that's great observation. Uh, you know, it, it's, you know, you can actually feel, uh, as uh, as Bert was saying, you can feel the energy flowing uh, uh, as as you do this. It opens up the channels, the meridians. Uh, um, you know, I don't I don't have enough. Uh, I'm not uh, as medically trained as Marie is, but I do know that that how we work to take care of ourselves uh, prolongs our life, prolongs our productivity, prolongs our ability to feel good and staves off some of these more uh, uh, critical uh, illnesses uh, for a longer period of time. So full disclosure, I, I'm not skeptical about any of this. I'm just lazy. Okay. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't do it. And I, I, it's not because I don't believe in it, but you did, you did get me going a little bit in your book, John, when you talked about how you think your hair color stayed Brown because you spend so much time upside down. Now, you, you kind of lost me on that one. Say more about it, would you? Yes. You know, as Maria knows, yoga, well, let me first say, Tai Chi lacks the inverted positions and some of the stretching that yoga has. Yoga lacks some of the flow and the energy release that Tai Chi brings. And that's why the two of them together uh, work really well. Uh, and it's, uh, it's almost like one plus one equals three. Uh, but think about gravity. Gravity has a hold on us. Thankfully, it keeps us uh, close to the ground. Uh, but what it does over time is, unlike you, who are naturally well-preserved after all these years, most of us have sagging chins, sagging stomachs, sagging bodies, wrinkles, and varicose veins, uh, the, we, we start to diminish our ability to be mentally sharp because the oxygenated blood that our brain needs first goes to the to down before it comes up. And so by inverting our body each day, and I don't do it for long periods of time, I, I do it in the morning, in the evening, I do a shoulder stand for probably a couple of minutes uh, in the morning, a couple of minutes at night, and a headstand uh, as well for a couple of minutes. But that allows gravity to reverse its effect on the body. Now it's starting to, to pull those sagging muscles in the other direction. Uh, 
Uh, and what it's done to my hair is that I, there's never been a drop of hair color that's touched my hair in 75 years. Of course, we'll never know if it would be the same without it, right? I mean, that's right. We would never know that. I don't know, but it it it's a it was a it was a flag. I thought, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> so, what is the status of your book now, John? Is it available for for purchase? Is it still in draft form? No, I uh, it was uh, it was published on Amazon in uh, June, late June. Okay, and it's it's there on Amazon. I've not uh, done anything but reach out so far just to television stations more as a a news story. Uh, the, the impact that it can have on people who are struggling, not only with Parkinson's, but uh, some of the traumas that uh, Maria referenced. Okay, let's hear from some more folks on the call. Diane Graham, you've known John Neubauer for a long time. Yeah, I'm calling on you. <laughs> and you, you also had an experience of a loved one with, with a, a disease that where you came to conclude that movement is, was an important part of, of uh, dealing with that. Do you have questions, comments? What's your reaction to what John is doing this day? Did, Diane was not expecting this, but. No, she wasn't. But, <laughs> um, well, thanks for asking. Uh, I read the book and I, I have to say, I hope John will talk a little bit more about how one does start from the beginning because I'm not doing any headstands or shoulder stands anytime soon. But um, it is true that um, my late husband had a, a movement disorder that was called multiple system atrophy. And, you know, when it first started, it was a decade ago. And so I think uh, Maria kind of referenced this. We were, we, he, he knew he felt better if he moved, he wasn't going to be able to do yoga, but he was better if he moved. And it was just hard to get um, the medical community to support the idea of movement therapy that was covered by insurance and that kind of thing. Uh, I think that has, um, changed and that's really good. And so, um, and you know, do, what, do I think if he had been able to do what John did for his whole life, would he have not been ill? I, I, I can't go that far, but I, I do believe that, um, if we all had been as active as John was, I think it, I think it would make a difference on our, on our health as we get older. And I know, I know, cause I'm still running a support group for people who have MSA. I know how it impor important it is for those folks to keep moving. And um, they've done chair yoga and, you know, more gentle forms, but it's a real, it's, it's a real benefit for quality of life. And I think also for, slowing down the progression of these progressive diseases so so but tell us how we start which julie brought up if we've never done this before <laughs> well huh? we start out gently part of what my book references and what i've taught is that we only stretch and we only do as far as is comfortable for the body uh, because if we try to use the no pain, no gain philosophy of regular exercise and sports, we're not going to do yoga and Tai Chi for very long. We're going to quit uh, because people, they want to enjoy something while they're doing it as well as after they're doing it. And so to be able to help people understand that they can get benefits from stretching, 
maybe half as far as I can. Uh, no, in fact, I don't even teach the headstand uh, because until people are sufficiently prepared, understand how to take care of themselves, how to prevent falling, uh, it's a risk. And I don't ever want anybody to risk injury from what they're doing. So the key word is gentle. We are gentle and we only stretch as far as is comfortable for us. But having said that, the equally important facet of this, as I'm sure Maria will, will uh, agree with, is how do we incorporate breathing into the movement? Now, I see Instagram and Facegram, uh, Facebook, uh, all of these amazing 20 and 30 yogis these days. And they're all doing amazing things, things that I could do back in my 20s and 30s, but I don't anymore. But you never see their stomach breathing. You never see their the incorporation of their breathing with their movement. And that's part of what makes Tai Chi Yoga so powerful is its ability to incorporate proper stomach breathing, not upper chest breathing with their movements and how to do that. So if nothing else, I could teach a person in a wheelchair how to get benefit from Tai Chi Yoga without ever being able to stand just by learning how to breathe correctly and move with whatever parts of the body they can. Can you show me? Amen. Amen. That's right. Because in yoga, there's two rules. I say when I tell students or people find out I'm a yoga teacher, like, oh, I'm not. Oh, I'm not good at yoga. I'm not. I don't have a yoga body. Well, if you have a body, you have a yoga body. And the key is like, John said, it builds self-awareness and you do that through breath, linking breath to movement and movement to breath. So your movement and your breath guide each other and you totally get in sync with yourself. It's like it raises you out. Uh, it raises you to another level, another vibration. These types of practices do. Um, you can do, yeah, I, my father died of dementia Um in Parkinson's a couple years ago. And um, I did whatever limited seated yoga I could do with him. And just, you know, people seem to forget that however we sit, however we stand, what everything we do, we're always training our body something, you know, with something we're teaching our body our fascia how to do this, how to do that, just by however we hold ourselves. So just becoming aware of how you sit, how you walk, how you stand, how you breathe is I think what is key. And, you know, I'm, I'm all about like safety too, like line everything up and don't get hurt. <laughs> Listen to your body. I'm sure everybody on the call is thinking, could I do this? Well, you know, well, I have vertigo. I'm not supposed to move my head. Is that going to make the little deals in my ear go running out? Um, I just taught yoga this morning to several ladies in my class. It was a power two. It was hot and it was the hardest uh, sequence I, I write, one of the hardest sequences I write. And um, three of the ladies in my class were in their mid seventies. Yeah, but did they have vertigo? That's... We, um, when you practice stuff like this, you tend to be able to deal with those types of issues, vertigo and stuff. Like you manage them a lot better. Right? Wouldn't you say? Well, I agree with that. And there's slowly. ways to do it to do very slowly come up. Very slowly when you move from an inversion, move on up. Um, and you can do it piecemeal. You can do partial and take a few breaths and then continue and move on. I mean, 
there's always modifications that can be made that I do in yoga for anybody to help anybody. So everybody can do it. So no excuses is what you're saying. Pretty much no excuses. I mean, the only excuse you're going to get away with saying, I don't want to do it. Oh, and I love to remind my students, I say, God, you guys, none of you all came here willingly. Nobody's here out on a court order. So push the corners of your mouth up and breathe. Vernick, you had a comment. Go, go right ahead. Yeah. If, if any of you who have vertigo, what I suggest is you find a chiropractor or osteopath who does really low force things. Uh, when I was in chiropractic college, I got vertigo that lasted for three weeks. So mm-hmm. I had to become an expert at it. There's many different causes, many different styles. But if you take, if you get the atlas correct, if you get the cranial bones moving, the vertigo can go away. So, well, thank you for that. John, this is probably not a topic that you you cover or have expertise in, but it sure seems to me like there's a whole lot more Parkinson's around. And is is that your inter- is that your uh, experience as well, or is it just that all my friends are aging and it's their time in the barrel? Well, and it's not just older people. Uh, there's younger people too, but people don't like to talk about it. Uh, and I that's one of the reasons that. <clears throat> I want to. I want to be out here. I think it's. Uh, you know, I admire what Michael J. Fox has done and how he's worked at not only help, trying to help himself but trying to help other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the more we talk about it, and the more that people like uh, Maria and I and Bert and others are saying, you know, these movements can actually not only help but be something that that works. Now, you started to ask a question about <clears throat> can you at least talk about or show a little bit about what Tai Chi is. And so the first thing in, and and my Zoom is not really set up to be able to uh, demonstrate, but the first thing I teach people is that if you look at 99% of people who stand, they're standing with their legs straight. And the first thing I do is teach people to bend their knees because if they bend their knees, now we're shifting the weight of the body from the lower back to the thighs. Now, it does take a while for the strength in the thighs to build up, but when you do that, that pressure goes off of the lower back, and now the spine is suspended as if I were a puppet connected to a spring, uh, to a string, and my spine was just uh, uh, kind of suspended. <clears throat> the next thing about Tai Chi is that, whereas yoga tends to be more, we inflate, we inhale as the we inhale the as we come up and we exhale as we lower. Tai Chi is more inhale and drawing in as we inhale and then exhale and flowing out. And <clears throat> learning how to flow like water. Flow as if the body is passing through jello or, or melted ice cream. Uh, uh, that's what we want the body to do. The, the next thing I demonstrate to people is if you and I were together, Julie, I would say, Julie, hold out your arms. And you would hold out your arms and they would be stiff. And then I would say, now, be careful. I'm going to slap down on it. And what would you do? You would resist, 
right? Because of the tension that we hold in our bodies. Whereas if someone comes up and slaps me, the first thing I do is yield and overcome. So these three words represent Tai Chi, yield and overcome. Tai Chi, when it was practiced as a martial art, was about yielding away from the more aggressive martial art person who is attacking you. Uh, and as you yield, that attacker at some point will expose themselves, at which point the Tai Chi person sees that exposure and deals with it quickly and swiftly. But it's all about yielding. It's all about letting go of tension in all parts of the body. And I just find that Tai Chi combined with yoga helps me do that even better than either one by themselves. We have a question or a comment. Diane, would you like to unmute? Yeah, there you go. Uh, I must confess, I'm a yoga and a Tai Chi dropout. Uh, <laughs> really interested in this conversation and uh, love what, what you all are talking about. I guess my curiosity, because this is kind of my focus and has been for several years, is both uh, low-income people and uh, children and babies, actually, from pre-birth uh, on. I'm most interested in the, those first few years of life. And I'm thinking, gosh, I, I wonder, have you ever thought about working with children or with families and then, of course, I want to say with low-income folks who can't afford maybe yoga instruction or Tai Chi instruction. Uh, anyway, have you thought about working with those groups at all? Well, thank you for bringing that up. And uh, uh, I'm sorry that you're a dropout. You don't need to be. Uh, I encourage you to uh, revisit that uh, at some point when you're ready. Uh, but I have an 18-month-old granddaughter. And the first thing she does when she comes into my bedroom is gets on the yoga mat and starts to do stretches. Now, she's too young to teach the breathing. But yes, I would love to be able to teach children about breathing because proper breathing is going to increase the amazing things that children can do with their bodies that you and I can't do even in our 20s and 30s. Uh, Maria may still be able to do extreme things given that she's in her 20s, but that's, uh, that's passed me by. Uh, now, I've also taught pregnant mothers. Uh, and that's its own form of teaching because it enhances the pregnancy. But it, there's also special things that you need to help teach women to be mindful of uh, as they're doing yoga. I, I would, again, never encourage a woman to do a headstand while they're pregnant, uh, for example. Uh, but there are many stretches and especially with tai chi that uh, i mean someone could be doing tai chi into their eighth month comfortably and feel better except for maybe some of the kicking they're experiencing inside thank you and finally to address your low income question so i have produced uh five courses uh and uh over a hundred how-to videos that are on my website taichiyoga.com I charge $11.95 for the monthly membership for as long or as short as someone wants to be there. And if someone says, John, I'm poor, I can't afford it, uh, I, would, uh, I would be happy to uh, give them a username and a password so that they can experience it uh, without the, uh, uh, the difficulty of not having enough uh, money to pay for it directly. Thank you. Appreciate that. 
Yeah, Marcia, go ahead. Marcia Lyon, you might be muted, so you'll need to unmute. Hello. Um, I raised my hand a while ago. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. And um, <clears throat> about two and a half years ago, I bought an inclinator. I'm not sure that's how it's called, but it's the platform that go makes you do this. Do a hand headstand while you're lying down. And I bought that because I had degenerative disc disease and I used it two and three times a day and for a long time. And I have no problem with my back and wow. I still do it. And that's a good way to uh, be upside down. And I have a mirror there and I can see my face with all the stuff going <laughs> towards the ground. It's a little gross, but um, I think it's an excellent uh, item to have. You're absolutely right. I actually have one. Uh, in fact, uh, in my book, there's a picture of me uh, uh, using my uh, my machine. Now, you know, the, the headstand has its benefits as an inverted posture. But as you well know, it's it's compressing the vertebrae of the spine, whereas the uh, uh, I don't remember the, the correct name of it, either uh, uh, inclined plane or whatever. But the, the inversion of that machine actually is prolonging the vertebrae. And so I think both of them together have tremendous benefit. Is happening in public schools today in terms of physical education and incorporating some of these movements uh, we know are are important. Is is that an area where budget cuts have impacted what's going on in public schools today? Maria, do you know you you have a child in public school? I think my youngest is a junior in high school, um, and she does competitive dance. So I'm not. And she's, she does fitness walking for PE this year. Um, I'm not sure what's going on in the schools. I do know a few of my fellow yoga teachers have taught various yoga classes to various schools, but there's no funding for stuff like that. No. I think that yoga and Tai Chi and Qigong should be covered by health insurance companies um, because they have so many health benefits um, in prevention of a lot of diseases, as well as um, prolonging, you know, staying off of um, medical therapies and um, prolonging remission states of other diseases as well. So we just have screwed up priorities in this country, in my opinion. <laughs> All right, let's see, Bridget, you have a comment or a question? Yeah, um, uh, great, great uh, discussion as always. Um, I work as a massage therapist huh. and um, that's my day job. And uh, I'm wondering if you guys would maybe talk a little bit about the benefits of massage. What I just wanna briefly comment on as um, was just talked about the, the, the cutting of the funding of physical education um, this is all sort of, these are topics that are of great interest to me. Also the, the obesity, diabetes connection, um, the, what, what I observe in my practice is the, um, importance of forgiveness of the self, people that are injured. The injury is, is, um, uh, 
an, an illness or an injury usually is, is how people come to me. And it is extremely important to, in my mind, to come to these uh, sort of modalities with a, with a sense of uh, beginner's mind. Uh, I'm sure that that's appropriate for both of those uh, movement modalities, but also in terms of self-healing of, um, well, I, I guess I wanna say that massage also is great if, if you can't do those things to get to a place of, um, uh, well, massage is really, I'm all over the place. I wasn't gonna say anything, but I had to chime in. Uh, proprioception, that that way of being in, in in space, just do it, taking very small um, steps to heal. Uh, I believe that self-care is an art. And I guess that's what I wanted to say about kids is placing that as a priority. I think it's egregious that phys ed, a lot of people, I had mixed feelings in phys ed. There was a lot of shaming and uh, difficulty for me in phys ed, but just the thing of being outside, these kids are just not getting the opportunity to get to know their bodies. And that whole connection with um, obesity and diabetes, and then the, then you're into medication and all that kind of thing. So anyway, I guess I'm kind of commenting. I'm loving the discussion, but what about massage? How, how do you guys? Uh... No, I, I, love uh... that, I love that you brought massage into the conversation. Um, first of all, Tai Chi and yoga together actually produce some internal massages with some of the different movements and things that go on. Um, it's sad that people only come to you when they have an issue, because to me, coming to a person like you is enhancing what I'm doing for myself. I love the term that you use, self-care. Self-care is not just reaching out for an external massage. It should be something that we're doing on a regular basis internally. And therefore, when we do come to you, we're, which we should be doing on a regular basis, by the way, um, we're enhanced. I, I, I once had, uh, I have a, uh, um, a uh, pinched nerve in my lower back uh, and bone spurs from uh, hereditary arthritis. And a number of months ago, I went to uh, my doctor and, <clears throat> and he said, well, I'm gonna send you for an MRI. And he said, with the exception of that pinched nerve in that one segment of the vertebrae, he said, your spine looks like someone in their 20s. And that's a blessing from, from self-care over 50 years. And I think that anything that you and I and Maria and Bert and others can be doing to be promoting self-care uh, in whatever we, uh, way we can do it so that people are not dropping out of Tai Chi and yoga. They're not, not doing exercise because it feels uncomfortable. It's a part of their daily life. To me, it's just like taking a shower or brushing my teeth. I wouldn't think of not doing a day of giving that internal and external attention to my body, mind, and spirit. I've had a couple of people in the chat mention that there are boxing programs in a couple of places around the state to help pe people deal with Parkinson's. Is that kind of the opposite of what of flow and resistance and all of that? Or what do you think about boxing? 
It is, and, and actually one of the other exercises that uh, Parkinson's research has shown really helpful and is one of the ones that is most recommended by the Parkinson's foundations is uh, uh, bicycling. Um, so, you know, uh, uh, my, uh, my daughter, uh, when she uh, uh, came here from uh, her native country and uh, uh, she was about 16, we did Tai Chi yoga together uh, every night for about two years, and then she retired and went into boxing. So it's, it's all good. Uh, it's, it's whatever we can get ourselves to do, but I want to do something that I can do forever. And I, I know that I can be a hundred years old and there's still going to be Tai Chi yoga that I can do. I'm not sure that I could still be doing yoga or, or boxing. Uh, I retired from basketball a number of years ago. I retired from running. I retired from weightlifting. I want to do things that are gentle on my body at this point in my life that make me feel good while I'm doing it. All right, John, we're going to wrap up here in just a minute. But if there's one thing you can teach me to do, keeping in mind I'm all over the place, I, I, I'm never in one place long enough to do a series of classes um, well, what one thing can I do at home to get started? I'd, I'd teach you breathing, correct stomach breathing. 99% of people who breathe are upper chest breathers. And that means they don't get enough oxygen into their lower lungs. Whereas when we stomach breathe, and singers understand this, Marie Osmond understood this when she interviewed me on uh, America's Real Deal. Uh, uh, but when we exhale our stomach and squeeze it in, the diaphragm pushes up and that cleanses out the old toxic airs from the, from the bottoms of the lungs and creates more space for newer air to come in. Then as we relax those stomach muscles as we inhale, they inflate out. We draw more oxygen into that. And today I probably take one breath for every two or three breaths that you take because I'm a stomach breather and you're a chest breather and you can do stomach breathing anytime, any place without any stretching at all. That would be the first thing that I would teach you. And if it was the only thing that I taught you, uh, it would help you and prolong your life. So do me a favor, put the cover of your book up again, please. And do you have a newsletter people can, uh, subscribe to or anything that you'd like to let us know about while you're here? You know, I've got my website uh, and anyone can interact with me at any time on any subject and I would be happy to respond. I'm not one of those people that doesn't, uh, doesn't respond to personal overtures. Well, it is great to see you again after all of these years and I commend you and congratulate you on this new chapter you're on, and I suspect you'll Thank be you, changing a number of lives. And once again, you're ahead of the curve, I suspect. Oh, I hope so. I hope I'm not ahead of the curve anymore. I hope it's time for people to uh, be inspired uh, and to want to incorporate this into their self-care. All right. Thank you again. We, we do this as a sort of a applause meter. Thank you. Take care, John. Good luck. Okay, I'm good luck. Thank you. Don't breathe now. That's right. <laughs>